This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, 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 wonderful people out there in Laravel land. Welcome to episode 180 of the Laravel News Podcast. Before we get started, wanted to give a quick shout out to our wonderful sponsors, Honey Badger. What kind of a name is Honey Badger? Uh, Michael has a little like meme thing. What is it? Honey Badger doesn't give a... That's meme. right. Honey right? Badger don't, don't give a... Don't yeah. give a beep. Yeah, Exactly. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the meme version of Honey Badger. We're talking about the error tracking service for all of your Laravel projects. Honey Badger, they're awesome. They sponsor our show, and we would love for you to check them out. We'll talk about them a little bit later in the show. Michael, how's it, how's it going, man? It's going all right. Going all right. Good. Uh, your hair, your hair is getting lighter. The rainbow yeah, is really washing is, out. Isn't it? You you had a rainbow hair style for a while for Liv's birthday there, and it's going away finally. It's going away. Getting yeah. back to blonde. Just starting to get some yeah. of that regrowth. Eli, Eli asked mm. me the other day, what color will your hair be when the rainbow's gone? And I said, it will go back to blonde. Yeah. And he goes, what color w- will it be? I'm like, it'll be, it'll be blonde. The <laughs> same, same color as your hair. But he, like, he's got rainbow hair now as well, so that's confusing. So That's hilarious. Uh, this was oh, a bedtime. So I'm like, Look, just, just relax, go to sleep. <laughs> just go to sleep. Go, just everything, like all of the questions at bedtime, always. Why, why is it at bedtime? Everything for a kid is an emergency. Yeah, yeah. Like they've they've had to go to the bathroom for the last hour and a half, but all of a sudden at bedtime, mm-hmm. it's they have to use the bathroom right now, and they are all of a sudden so thirsty. Yeah, and they're starving, and they're terrified of everything. Yeah, and they have questions. Oh my! The, just, the, that's how bedtime is. The fun so. one last night was I was reading his bedtime story, and he like scoots himself down, pulls the cover over his head. And start saying the f word, <laughs> like just, just no context, nothing around it. Just he's sitting there going f, f, and I'm just and like he takes after re. Yeah, yeah. She look. He's everything that he's learned. He's learned from her. I'm telling you. He's taking after his mother. Oh my word. Sorry, re. I'm just kidding. I haven't got to say hi to re in a long time. Well, we should, I should say. Well, could we do this on different day? And she, she's. I know. She's at work. Okay. Well, someday I'll get to say hi to her again. One day. Anyway, folks, hey, we are we are thankful that you're able to hang out with us today. We've got some uh, releases to talk about. We've got some news. We've got some packages. We've got some tutorials. So let's get into it. 9.38. Laravel team released 9.38 this week with a couple features, bug fixes, all the good stuff. We've got isolated artists and commands. We've got Conditionally setting notifications middleware. We've got a configurable maximum exceptions for queuable notifications and more. Okay, so let's talk about these isolated artisan commands. So Taylor tweeted out about this um, the other day. He said it's a cinch to use. Um, And so let's talk about it. So Oliver uh, Nibro contributed an isolatable interface that makes it a cinch to ensure that your commands only run a single process at once. So uh, all you have to do for this is you may have a send emails class, for example, that extends a command. uh, And then you just say implements isolatable. So what does this do? Uh, The first artisan command to include this isolatable interface is the migrate command. So then using the dash dash isolated flag, you can limit the migrate to one active process. And this ensures that two servers cannot run the migrate command at the same time. 
so isolated migrations is not the default. It was released behind the dash dash isolated flag to reduce any breaking changes or any possibility of breaking changes. But this is really interesting. So Michael, I'm curious, like I suppose what this would mean like in a load balanced environment where you're deploying to multiple servers and you wanted to migrate, you could, instead of saying, only run the migrate command on this server, you could literally say, run it on whichever one with the dash dash isolated, and it would just say, well, only the one. Mm-hmm. Only the one can be running it at a time, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, this is interesting. It must have some sort of driver, I would assume, that must use something that's a shared resource between the two in order for them to be able to know what is running it, yeah. right? We have to... It's interesting, though, because it says to utilize this feature, your application must be using the memcached Redis DynamoDB database file or array cache driver as your application's default cache driver. And then they all must be communicating using the same central cache In addition, all servers must be, yeah. I mean, I guess that works for memcached Redis, Dynamo, and database file you could make work if you had like attached storage between all of those servers but i i don't i I don't see how array would work and i wouldn't rely on file either yeah i know those two those two seem a little bit weird but i mean whatever maybe those are just for local testing i don't have any idea that seems interesting i'm not sure exactly how you like you said like i can see maybe if you're using minio yeah and you had a couple different um, Docker containers all using the same sort of file storage. I could see that array is a little bit, I don't know how you do that. But in any case, that's the idea there, right? So you can say any of them can run this command, but with the dash dash isolated flag, you can just say whichever one gets to it first, you guys go ahead and run it. And uh, the other ones won't run it at the same time. It'll just make sure that it's basically um, deduped, right? It's sort of, yeah. it's sort of, I suppose, works the same way as. Uh, without overlapping would work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you have this arrow without overlapping that you can use inside of your commands. Um, but I'm guessing that doesn't work across like a distributed environment either. Uh, probably that's only for the single server that it's running on, right? It says don't allow two of these instances to run at the same time. Don't allow them to overlap. But that might not do the same thing as isolated here. I'm guessing it doesn't. Otherwise, they wouldn't have added this. Yeah. So the isolatable commands, uh, there's documentation now for details on how to use this. So pretty cool, but it seems simple enough. You just implement the isolatable interface and then run uh, the command with dash dash isolated flag. Pretty cool. Okay, Uh, Samuel Stansel contributed the set handler method to the session store class. The pull request description has this to say about why this can be useful. The use case is that when you're changing database connections on the fly, the database session driver can run into issues where it tries to run queries on a database connection that no longer exists. So by adding the setter, uh, I can reconstruct the database session handler on the fly and make it use the correct database connection. Interesting. Seems uh, like a bit of an edge case scenario, right? Maybe not. I mean, maybe there's a lot of people switching out uh, database connections, I suppose, in a multi-tenant environment. That's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. But in this case, that specific use case, you know, you might run into some bugs with this. And so hopefully that's helpful to some of you folks out there. Yeah, and Sammy was responsible for the uh, tenancy for Laravel package, so I I guess that he's he's bumped into that one a few times then. That makes sense. That would make sense. We've got Dehemi, D-H-E-M-Y, at Dehemi, contributed a customizable dictionary for special characters when calling string slug. So slug basically takes a regular title, like if I had a title called uh, Michael's New Book, 
right? Which Michael isn't writing a book that I'm aware of, but if he was, it'd be Michael's new book is like the title of my blog post. And then I say slug. And what that'll do is it'll almost do like a kebab case sort of deal with that. So it'll say Michael's dash new dash book. And so in this case, what you can do is you can substitute out if you had something like uh, a character in your slug that you wanted replaced with something specific. So in this case, what they use is they use a 500, like a dollar sign, 500 bill. So like $500 bill. And what you can do is you can say, if there's an actual dollar sign character, I want to substitute that when I call string slug, I want to substitute that with the word dollar. Or if I have a at character, like you'd have an email, if I have an at character inside of my title, when you slug that title, I want you to replace the at symbol with the actual word at. You could see a couple of places you could use this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so you can now provide your own dictionary as a second argument uh, in an array format. It's almost like a string. Uh, it's almost like a yeah string replace. I suppose this yeah. is kind of what you're doing, right? Just like you would do with a string replace, uh, but only with a string slug. So kind of a cool idea there. Uh, thanks to Hemi. Conditionally setting notifications middleware. So Andrew Monty contributed the ability to set notification middleware based on the notifiable and channel instance. Here's an example from the pull request description. So you're aware that notifications essentially are a way to say, I have a thing that I want to notify a notifiable of. So typically your notifiable is your user. I want to notify my user of a particular thing happening. And the Example that you commonly have is like order shipped or something like mm -hmm. that, right? Well, how do you want to tell them the order shipped? There might be different channels you want to notify them by. You want to do email, you want to do SMS, and you want to also do this webhook that they said they wanted to you to hit, right? So you can then dispatch a single notification, order shipped notification, and you can have different channels, all three of these different channels, SMS, email, and webhook, right? With this middleware, what you can do now is you can in the middleware say, if this notifiable instance of user and the notifiable, your user, is an admin, return empty set of an array. Which in that case, what that means is don't set any of the different channels. Like don't, don't return any of the channels. Uh, just don't actually notify anybody, right? They're an admin. They did this action. Don't bother notifying them because you don't need to. Otherwise, you could say if the channel is email, return a new rate limited mail gun, right? So it allows you to essentially conditionally figure out which types of channels you want to deliver for this particular notification, which I have said, I will say we have run into this actually a couple times where I want to conditionally say which particular notification channel should I be using? Um, so sometimes we'll say like, hey, do you want a payment reminder? We have to say yes. We say, what do you, how, is it, how do you want us to notify you? We have to say email or SMS or they say both, right? And so what we have to do is we have to conditionally set like which channel and it's sort of annoying, but this seems like a nice, it seems like a little bit cleaner way to do it. I'm curious if this, if this middleware actually lives like on the notification itself or is this actually like a middleware middleware that you put like in your stack? I it's don't know. Middleware seems... that you put on the, on the notification the, itself. Uh, notification? Mm. Okay. Okay. So there you go. Pretty interesting. You get as a couple as the arguments for the middleware, you get the notifiable and you get the channel. So that's that's the those are the two sort of operands that you can make checks on to determine if you want to return that thing or not. So mm -hmm. there you go. Interesting. Thank you, Andrew. 
Okay, a couple more things to go, to go through here. We've got three more. All right, here we go. A touch quietly model convenience method. Craig Anderson contributed a touch quietly convenience method to touch on models update timestamp without raising any events. Um, so let's say that a user logs into your um, application and you want to just hit the updated at timestamp, I suppose, to let you know, let you know that this is the last time they logged in or something, right? But you don't really want to raise any events because you're not actually updating the user. You just, you know, just give me the last time they logged in. You could use touch quietly to update those timestamps without raising the events. So model arrow touch quietly. Uh, removing a middleware from a group. So Mateus Guamares contributed the ability to remove middleware from a group. This is helpful if you need to register or remove middleware dynamically. And so you actually have the ability to remove a middleware from a particular route as well. But this looks like, so, so let's say you have an entire web, uh, you know, your web.php, let's say all of the middleware that get applied to web.php, such as like verify CSRF token. You can opt out a single route and say without middleware and say like validate CSRF token. You could do that on a specific route. But this is done a level higher. It's dollar sign router remove middleware from group. And it looks like it accepts two, two arguments. So you could say web, uh, which I'm assuming is like the middleware group that you're <laughs> going to remove it from. And then the second argument is what middleware you want to remove. So test dash middleware. So you could probably call this, you know, from a couple different places. I'm not sure exactly where they're in the example where they'd be calling this from. Uh, but it looks like you could then say, okay, I want to conditionally remove this particular middleware from the entire group not just from a single route, but from the entire group. And it looks like you could probably do that within the within a request lifecycle, right? You could probably right, yeah. conditionally look at you could do it in the middleware, maybe something like that. So I don't know. Interesting. Again, I don't I don't know the exact use case. Um we'd have to look at the pull request notes to know exactly why. One more. Here we go. Cubal notifications can set a max exception. So Andrew Monty again contributed the ability for queued notifications to use max exceptions. Setting max exceptions is helpful in a setting where you have many retries. Perhaps the queue notification is rate limited by a third party or it's otherwise not going to succeed and you want to customize the max number of allowed exceptions. I suppose this would be similar to a max retries on a like particular queue if you were dispatching all of your notifications on one queue. But it's, this is a per notification setting that you can have here. So set the number of maximum exceptions for a particular notification. Pull request 44773 if you want more details on that one. A lot of stuff jam-packed. Holy cow. A lot of Lots stuff of in good there. stuff in there. It's a good, you know, this, yeah. this push to be able to release more features in, in a backwards compatible way is has been good. You know, we've seen so much stuff that, you know, in years gone by would have been just banked up for major releases and things like that, that we get these goodies year-round now instead of just, you know, twice a yep. year so. Congrats to the team yep. and, and all of the contributors for that. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, Laravel 9.39 was a bit of a smaller release. Uh, just a few things to talk about in this one. The first one, Bruno Allod contributed blade template fragments, which render a portion of a view. Fragments are helpful for front-end frameworks that expect HTML over the wire where Ajax responses should only return part of the view. So you can, inside of your blade templates, use this new at fragment annotation and you can give it a name. So it's at fragment, open parentheses, quotes, actions. And then when you're returning a view from your controller, you can pass the the view. So you'd have view, 
as the the method or, or you know return view or whatever you've, you're doing in your controller pass it the view name and the data and then chain on the fragment method and say i only want to return actions so this allows you to build up like a a blade template that has some this kind of composed rather than using components for this to just say like everything's in this one blade file and then you can name the uh the fragments right so you just just return this view but this portion of it rather than having to have like all of these separate composed bits which can you know help you to not have all of these smatterings of like components everywhere blade files that are made up of components that are made up of components you can just stick with one file and then use fragments to kind of break that up for you so um check that out that is that is useful in those in those scenarios live wire type things when you're doing um htmx was the thing that i think i saw pop up in the um in the pull request so definitely check that out that will be useful in those scenarios for sure it reminds me of pjax a little bit if you remember mm. pjax or like turbo uh whatever that was called i can't remember rails rails deal right I wrote a middleware for PJAX back in the day, which basically was like this, where you would say, I want to have this portion of my page that dynamically reloads uh, when I when I call it with PJAX. And mm-hmm. so it would render the whole page on the back end, but it would just return you that fragment for that one little section. Yeah. So it would just refresh that one small part. Uh, but it's really useful when you have like a complex set of data that you have to be passing to the front end in order to get all of these things to render. Mm-hmm. But you're really only interested in redoing this one little part, right? So instead of having to have uh, another controller method where you're having to sort of duplicate all the data that's getting passed in in order to render that one specific piece, you just say, no, just use the same view, but just use this one fragment instead. Pretty cool. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, Next up, Hazirin Fakri added the source file path when using DD in collections. So in recent Laravel releases, we saw that DD and dump calls will include the file name and line number in the out in like in the dump output so if you ever leave these things scattered around then you could go and find them to remove them but this was not applied to the dd method of the collection class so this is um adding that functionality in there so that you can see that in your output which uh, updates targets uh, update collections to benefit from that work so kudos to has here and for that one and the last thing we have here is a new testing assertion from christoph rumpel uh, it is the assert database empty, which checks if a specific table has no entries. It is a shortcut um, essentially to doing an assert database count. So you can just say assert database empty and then pass it a model um, class string and it will handle all of that for you. So just these little shortcut quality of life things that we love so much. But that is all for 9.39 that we have here. Okie dokie. We're going to move on to news here. Ben Ramsey who is a longtime PHP guy. He's been around for a long time, uh, since way before I was even in the PHP world. And one of the things that he's... He's the current release manager for PHP 8.1. Gotcha. Okay, so one of the things that Ben uh, has made that has been out for a long time and is used all over the place is the Ramsey slash UUID library. So recently, Longhorn PHP happened and Ben published version 4.6 of Ramsey UUID from Longhorn PHP, Caleb Porzio style probably. So the big difference here is it includes includes support for version 8, UUIDs uh, version 8. So custom UUIDs and it also ensures monotonicity in version 7, Unix Unix epoch time uh, UUIDs as well. So 
uh, an implementation would like to embed extra information within the UUID other than what's defined in the document, uh, or an implementation has other application or language restrictions which inhibit the use of one of the current sets of UUIDs. Um, so in the in the uh, article here, we have an example of generating a version 8 custom UUID. So I'll let you go read that if you're interested. Uh, but he has some links to learn more about uh, using version 8 UUIDs. And uh, seems interesting. All right. Uh, the last bit of news that we have here, Laravel 10 application skeleton code will have native type declarations. Laravel 10 will use native PHP type declarations across any generated code that can exist in user land. So this is not just the, you know, if you used to do a Laravel new or you do a composer create project from the Laravel Laravel repo. Yeah, so this is the application skeleton methods. Types are being added in a way that brings the latest PHP type hinting features to Laravel projects without breaking backward compatibility at the framework level. This includes return types, method arguments, redundant annotations are being removed where possible. So where something can be documented using a native PHP return type, it is being used instead of the annotation. It allows user land types in closure arguments and does not include any typed properties. Um, so this in- includes some of the some of the PHP doc annotations for for also giving you the shape of return types as well where possible. For example, if you have a hosts method that returns an array, the at return annotation will stipulate that it is an array and then using um, angled brackets will say int comma string to indicate that the key will be an integer and that the, the, the value will be a string. And then your IDs, PHP, Storm, VS Code, whatever else will know the shape of the array, which is helpful information that is not possible using PHP's native type system. And in addition, all code generated by the framework will follow the same type hint guidelines that we've already spoken about, meaning that you can use the make commands, or when you do use the make commands, so make model, make control, or whatever, they will include native type hinting in the same way. We'll we'll see Laravel 10 released uh, somewhere in the early days of February 2023. But given the size of the Laravel ecosystem, this is a significant undertaking. And I know that Nuno's been working really hard on it. I'm sure other members of the team have been contributing. Um, it's going to make things a little bit more robust in your applications. Um, tidy up some of the you know, validation will be- become more implicit as part of the, the type checking as well. So check that out. Um, we cannot escape the types. They're coming. They're coming for all of us. They are coming and, for all of us. And uh, Nuno did talk about this last, uh, not the last Laracon online, but the one before that, mm-hmm. I believe. And he yeah, was talking the about these generics. Yeah, mm-hmm. these generics and how uh, these allow you to be able to specify the shapes of these arrays. Because if you return a type hint of array, it's like, okay, that's great, but it doesn't really help your IDE at all. Like, what is no. the shape of the array yeah. that's supposed to be coming back? And so with these generics, you can do that. You can specify what's the shape of it. And um, right. it's really, really Rather, interesting. It, it, you know, it tells your IDE that, that you have a collection of user models, for example. It's not just a collection of, you know, it doesn't know. So you, that way you get the type hints when you're iterating over that, you know, passing it to map and things like that. The IDE will know that you Correct. have... Um, a collection of user models but look let's face it when you upgrade to this if this is your first time um, using types your code is probably going to have some errors and even code that is written by amazing developers such as yourself and when those errors do happen 
it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform, and they'll send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error, where they're hiding, and help you fix them quickly to get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. So you can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important because as a self-funded business, it means they answer only to us, the developer, rather than their venture capital overlords. Uh, You can check them out at honeybadger.io. Thanks for being a longtime sponsor of Laravel News. Absolutely. All right, so we're on to the packages and developer tools section of the show here. And the first package that we have is a multi-purpose uh, set of value objects for Laravel. So if you listen to our other podcast, North Meet South, we've talked about value objects and DTOs a little bit in the past few weeks. Um, so value objects, uh, in this case, there's a number of them that they provide. We have Booleans, numbers, text, email, full name, name, tax number, and UUID. So they say, take, for example, working with a user's full name. So instead of just saying name equals and then a string, Joe user, you could say name equals full name, Joe user. And what this does is it basically says when you are newing up or constructing this, uh, it's going to expect that if you pass something to full name, it's probably going to validate that it is in, indeed a full name. Probably it contains a space. It contains more than one, you know, string. Or maybe it says like if you have spacing around Joe user, it's going to trim that off around the edges. So you have full name, and then you have now from that you can say dollar sign name first name, and it'll grab off the first first part, and then you can say dollar sign name arrow last name, and it'll grab off the last name. So. It takes that string that you had previously and then adds some uh, some functionality, right? Some some items onto it that you can then use to utilize uh, the different pieces of that particular value object. It also provides some Laravel specific goodies like extending value objects via Laravel's macroable trait and Laravel's conditionable trait, which applies a callback when a condition is truthy. So uh, macro is you can add any functionality you want onto any object. And so that's just something that Laravel has. You can, uh, this this package makes use of that. So if you have tax number, you can, you know, add a, add your own functionality onto it uh, using the macroable trait. And then with the conditionable trait, you can say something like tax number from, and then pass in a tax number. And then you can say when, right? That's the conditionable trait. So arrow when passing the closure or accepting the number that's in there and then say, Return when the number prefix is not null, right? So a couple of different ways you can you can handle that, which is interesting. Another example is the number value object, which you can use to scale numbers, for example. So number equals new number, and then you pass in a value. And in this case, it says scale of two. Uh, so when you do that, I'm not exactly sure what they mean by scale here, to be real honest. Any idea? The scale, scale? The scale would what does be... that mean? The scale would be the, the number of uh, decimals, non yeah, non significant or significant bits after the decimal place. Yeah, interesting. Why do I not know that? Is that something? Is that common knowledge? I feel dumb now that I didn't know what scale means. <laughs> I mean, it might might just be like a everywhere else but America thing, to be honest. Maybe, I, or maybe I'm just a, a dumb American. That's bad, one of the bad one of the, bad one of the teacher, maybe. <laughs> I know, right? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I literally have never heard of like the. Uh, number of points past the decimal called scale, I guess. I don't know. 
Anyway, the thing, bad math the thing, the thing to note with the with the scale is it doesn't do any rounding; it just chomps. So, in the example that we've got here, you've got number sure. colon colon make ten dot two zero nine 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 with yeah, a yeah, yeah. scale of two. So it doesn't actually round it to ten dot two one. It right. just drops everything it after. But it's useful um, for presentation and things like that in terms of you know not running into those floating point Weird. issues. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, value objects are really, really helpful in your applications. And if you don't want to have to create them on your own, uh, you can adopt some of these multi-purpose ones. So again, Boolean number, text, email, full name, name, tax number, and UUID. So you knew them up, you can pass them around. You'll know the behavior on them based on type hinting and things like that, because you can type hint these instead of just passing around random strings and integer values. Uh, you can type hit these items and then uh, use the functionality that's built onto them. So there you are. Thanks so much for that one. Mr. Paul Redmond wrote that one up, everyone's favorite human. I'm looking to see too who actually authored this package. Michael Rubel. So thank you, Michael. Nice work. Yeah, good guys, Michaels. Yeah, those Michaels, they're just good dudes. Salt of the earth. Then, that's right. Uh, next up, we have the Laravel DOM assertions package by Renee Sinbeck, which adds document object model, DOM, 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 Assertion helpers to Laravel's test response class. The package provides some extra assertion helpers to use in HTTP tests. If you have ever needed more control over your view assertions than the included assert C, assert C in order, etc., um, then this package is for you. The package's readme has an example of asserting a navigation menu to ensure the correct list item element has an active class, but also ensures that the home list item element does not. So this brings in things like assert element exists, um, asserting that an element has a given attribute, that an element contained uh, contains another element or is contained in another element perhaps. It asserts that an element does not contain another element. It finds an element to process further assertions, asserts if forms exist, it asserts that forms have a CSRF token and assertions for select options. Um, so if you need to do, you know, you, if you want some more comprehensive testing against your return views, then perhaps check out this package. It also makes use of a macroable mixing method to add multiple macro methods into another object from a service provider, which might be helpful inspiration for others writing packages for Laravel, even if you're not using this package itself. So thanks to Renee for this one. Interesting. I can see using that actually quite a bit. Mm. Um, sometimes it's a little bit tricky to kind of assert things like specifically the one I was looking at is asserting for select options. So if you want to say, I want to see if my page exists with these options in a select dropdown, it's not always easy to get that. So this is this is really nice. Uh, so thanks for that. Yeah. Okay, we've got this package called Laravel Multiplex. So I was reading through this and I think I understand it, but I'm going to do my best uh, to, to help here. So this is a Laravel package to attach. This is the portion where I'm a little bit, we'll see, time sliced metadata to eloquent models uh, version 1.0 release is right around the corner so here are the main features so metadata is saved in versions including the ability to schedule met metadata for the future you can use it uh, you can attach it using a fluent syntax it's easy to try extending your model with versionable metadata without touching the original columns uh, type conversion system and it is configurable. So here are a few mm. basic examples of how the package looks working with models. So I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna give you my first impression of kind of what I think this is. If you have a meta column on a model, let's say that you have a post like a um, a blog post, right? 
and you have mm-hmm. some meta fields that you want to keep track of. Maybe they're not large enough to justify their own columns, but you have this meta column, which is maybe just a JSON object of a couple of different pieces of metadata that you want to use on these posts. One of the things that's complicated about these is if you ever change your mind about what those meta columns, what that meta value should contain, you don't always know what's in all those records because you might not have enough information to go enrich those previous records with that new information. So let's say that you start out saying, I'm just going to, and some of these are ridiculous, but I'm just going to contain the number of comments and I'm going to contain the number of views and I'm going to contain the published at date. And let's say that those are the only things you want in your meta column and that's fine and good. And that's version one. And then in version two, you say all of a sudden, I actually also need to add the advertisers that specifically asked to be sponsored on this this post, right? So I now have advertisers. Well, if I'm displaying a post, how do I know if I have the advertiser's meta column or not? Like, did did I have it for this particular post or did I not? So you can run into some weird stuff like that, right? So it seems like with this, what you can do is you can save this metadata in versions. So you can like tag the particular version that the metadata is in, I guess. And it also has like a type conversion system. So it will handle converting things like Booleans to, I don't know, to, to store them in a, in a nice specific way. I don't know. So let's look at, let's look at the example here. Michael, does any, any thoughts on that right off the top? Does that seem reasonable? <laughs> it no? seems okay. reasonable. Okay, um, so let's 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 read through it. So it says, if we have a post, uh, we can set meta fluently for any key. So we have post arrow likes. Likes is not a column of post, but you just say arrow likes. So you it's like you assume it's there. So maybe there's like magic methods being used in the background to just say there is no likes column. So we'll just assume that that's a meta value, or you can use the set meta method so post arrow set meta and then uh, specify likes and then this is going to be 24 likes and you can also set multiple values so you could say model set meta and then pass an array of values a multi-dimensional array of likes and color and hide uh, and so you can also schedule changes for example you could say post i want to set meta at and you could say again i want to change the color to be instead of black, I want to change the color to be white, but I only want to do that in a day from now, right? You could do that. You could say as the third argument, uh, when do you want to do that? You could say plus one day. Uh, You can also limit which meta keys are allowed on a model with the meta keys property on the post model itself. So you can say meta keys property, and then you can specify what ones are allowed to exist and then also their types. So you could say you can have a count meta, but it has to be an integer. You can have a color, but it has to be a string. You can have a hide or show, but it has to be a Boolean. So when you set up this package, you're going to want to make sure that you read the performance section to avoid N plus one queries. Uh, and there's more information on this package, of course, in full installation instructions at the Laravel metadata package on GitHub. This is interesting. I feel like I would have to do a little bit more reading on this. Uh, there, there's also Spassi has like a JSON columns sort of library that seems like it does mm-hmm. some similar things, maybe not quite as robust. I don't think it has a typecast sort of system to do that. Yeah, this, so this one, I, I've needed this. this. I've needed this specifically in in certain instances, but yeah, this one's storing metadata in a polymorphic one to many. Oh, is it really? Okay, yeah, rather than in a in a single column, which is we okay, we that um, makes sense. We've come up across this at an integration piece that we're doing at work now, where it was like, do we put all of this into a 
Jason Column and just like, because it, it's not typically going to be more than like maybe two or three different sets of data. So it'd be, you know, this lender requires these extra fields, this lender requires these extra fields. And so we kind of like, yeah. do we store it in a JSON object? Because we don't really need to query on it. We just need it at like submission time to fetch those fields and send it with the relevant payload. Right. Do we split it out into a generic like this package as like a meta thing that you just like put whatever you want in there? Or or do we create, you know, lender prefixed fields on the on the table itself? Yeah, sure. So I think I think this is probably a, a good approach in terms of like the package is already there, so you don't have to worry about it. And you can look at things based on, you know, it it was here or it wasn't there given the time of you know where you are in the in the timeline, so I, I certainly think there's there's good uses for it in that scenario, um, and and that would actually be quite useful for the the stuff that we're doing. We have um, not followed that approach ourselves for um, various reasons, but definitely definitely something that's that's worth a look at, something to keep in the back of my mind if I ever have to come up across this again in in the future. So, well done to. Is it the team at Colossal? Is the name of the uh, the owner of of the organization? It it seems an interesting package. I can I can definitely see a use case for it for sure. And I think actually when I say when we say versioned, there's a lot of documentation. Yeah, here mm. it is. Time traveling. So you get the metadata from model at a specific point in time. So that's kind of interesting, right? So what was this value a year ago, right? And so you don't lose that data once it's updated. You just have yeah. a version history essentially of that metadata. And so you can kind of go back in time. So you could say travel to 14 days ago and you can grab a particular piece of meta information off at that time. Uh, or mm-hmm. you can say, give me their give me their favorite band from last year, you know, something like that, whatever. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I can I can definitely think of, of some use cases for it. So I'll I'll keep it in mind if I ever come across that again in future. I'm gonna star this one. Star. Hmm. Ching. Okay. All right. We're going to wrap this up with the tutorial section. And as with our good friend Steve McDougall's tutorials, I'm not going to read through them, but I'll leave them up to you to to, to read through yourselves. The first one is a tutorial on reaching force facades and starts facades. People seem to love them or hate them. Either way, they are a natural part of what Laravel is today. Laravel facades, however, aren't strictly facades. Instead, they are static accesses to resolve classing to resolve classes from the container. Um, so there, there is in programming a concept called a facade. It is not the same thing in Laravel, which grinds some people's gears, but whatever. Laravel forever. Facades are, are, are basically a way to give you a static access to real objects on on uh, in your application. So if you've ever wanted to know more about them, or how they might be used or referenced in your application, this tutorial may be for you. And the other one, which I felt personally attacked by, <laughs> by Steve, <laughs> is an article or a tutorial called Composition Over Inheritance in Final Classes. And this talks about creating like wrappers or proxy objects around vendor libraries, for example, that, that may be marked as final, so you can't actually extend them in your own application. So the, the scenario that I ran into was with the money PHP library. I wanted to to always yes. have... This one was written specifically for you. It was, yeah. That's why I said I was personally attacked when mm-hmm. I saw this you article. Felt, yeah, I didn't know um, you said you felt... Oh, yeah, go for it. 
so this was using the money PHP library. I in our context, we're always working in Australian dollars. So I didn't want to have to do the whole like money colon colon AUD every time or new money, you know, amount comma AUD. And I also wanted some niceties around like it expects an integerish value. And and I want like we're always going to be passing in dollars. And I just want to handle multiplying that by 100 to get it to sense and then passing that into the object. So I wanted all of that to happen automatically. But because the money PHP object itself is marked as final, we can't extend it. So we had to go down this this path of creating a proxy object or a decorator and, and essentially saying like, do our constructor stuff here, create a money instance, like the money PHP instance inside and then delegate all calls using PHP's magic underscore underscore call method um, to, to the underlying money object. And, and that kind of gives you the ability to, to sort of encapsulate whatever behaviors we want. So in our case, we always wanted it to be in Australian dollars. We always wanted to accept whole dollars or dollars and cents and then do the multiplication ourselves. And so this talks through that process. It was, it was a little bit more complicated in, in our situation because calling those methods will then return a money instance, not like, and so because we were typing that we wanted like our application money instance, we had to do some wrapping to then oh. re- like basically we have to instantiate our own money object with the value that came out of that that method call. So that aside, you know, this is the approach that we ended up dealing with. So um, it just it feels very much that, like a, I guess the proxy is the right word. It seems a little bit like a decorator though too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so decorator proxy, a, same, same, but different. Yeah. Well, I guess the only difference would be like with a decorator, I'm not necessarily overriding all the behavior. I'm decorating like one method maybe, mm. you know what I mean? Whereas mm. with this proxy, you're literally saying no 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 proxy every single call to it yeah i guess it could be i don't know so, i guess it's so exact, we you know. we did add a few methods like we added a uh two decimal two dollars so it will handle the formatting as well because the, the money php library allows you to format but there's some boilerplate that you have to do that in terms of like building up the list of currencies and the formatting and the types and all that kind of stuff so so we had like a, a two two integer two decimal and two two dollar like our own methods there for different scenarios because some places we have to send like a string of like whole dollars and cents and things like that. So this just allowed us to do that all in one place. And because you can't extend the, you know, because there, there is a, and I can link it in the show notes, there was an article or, or or an issue on the on the repository itself where that like they just decided one day to, to make the class final so that you couldn't extend it. And there was a bit of back and forth around, you know, why you would do this or why you wouldn't do this. And, you know, obviously the, the consumers were like, well, don't don't mark vendor libraries as final, but then the maintainer's position is that, you know, it's a value object, so it shouldn't be changed. And, you know, there's a bit of back and forth around that. This is this is where we're at. This is what we have to do. So no yep. problem. Yeah. I think a similar to sort of Laravel, some people don't like some of the things that Laravel does. Like, so let's talk specifically, and we'll, we'll wrap this up, I know, but like, let's talk about how it's uh, doing all this typing in like Laravel 10, right? Some people are going to have a big problem with that. But what it sort of does is it sort of hints to people, this is the direction we're starting to head. Yeah. And it's sort of optional at this point. It's not going to break any anything. But like if you were going to use it, this is how you would do that, right? And those sort of things just sort of start showing up in the framework and it encourages this particular use of these things and also gives you concrete examples of how you would use it, right? So those generics and stuff, 
uh, that we were talking about. We saw those in Nuno's talk, but if I wanted to see yeah. how that was being used, I'd have to go back to his talk and figure that out. Whereas like now I'm just going to see it in the code. Oh, there it is. If I wanted to do that in my own code, in my user land code, I could, I could do that. I can copy that. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Spassi does the same thing. Hey, you guys have to be using version eight and we're going to use constructor property promotion. And here's what that looks like. And so what do you know? I start using constructor property promotion all over the place. And we're also going to do named arguments. And uh, okay, let's do that. So um, Mm. this is just another one of those things where the package authors have decided, no, we're going to use final and we're going to encourage you to, instead of extending this, we're going to encourage you to do composition instead. And so Mm -hmm. it's their prerogative. They're the ones who created the package. um, And they're just sort of encouraging you, hey, go this composition way instead of instead of inheritance. And this is going to make it easier for them to maintain it probably. And, uh, you know, hopefully that means uh, faster development cycles for for the rest of us who enjoy using the package. I I'm embracing this stuff now. But I I remember like there were there were tweets or we talked about this on previous podcasts. I said I said this was going to happen. You did. You you prophesied. Everyone's like, you don't have to use types if you don't want to. But but it's not that simple. (laughs) When 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 the framework does it, when when the when the you know the the project skeleton does it, when all of the vendor libraries are doing it, like you don't have to. But at that point it's like you don't have to, but you also now have to go and write all of this functionality yourself. Like you can't use these packages. But like I said, I've embraced it because, you know, change is as good as a holiday. And we've had COVID for three years, so I haven't really had a holiday. So this is all I get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's it's changing. The world's changing with or without us, Michael. we got to stay with the times, right? You are All correct. right, everyone. This is episode 180. Thanks again, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. Really appreciate it. Honeybadger.io for more information on that. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 180. Five stars and your podcatcher of choice would be much appreciated if you liked the show. And if you'd like to reach out to us, you can hit us up on Twitter at Michael, Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. Thanks, everyone, so much for hanging out with us. And we will chat with you in a few weeks. See ya. Bye. Bye.